up, everybody? Welcome back to Under the Microscope, where we dissect the art of basketball. I'm Yosef Yushak, a Valley Basketball Skills Trainer. I'm Coleman Ayers from By Any Means Basketball. And today we're going to address a topic that I'm sure many players all over the world have wondered or tried to figure out on their own. We're going to go deep into figuring out how players can look themselves in the mirror and truly figure out what areas of their game they need to work on and to make them as valuable as possible on the court. And to do that, we have Basi Prokofiev all the way from Russia. Yeah, so... Nice. Good job. <laughs> yeah. So real quick, before <laughs> I let Basi talk about himself a little bit, um, I just want to tell a quick story about how when Bossy first came to Miami to visit, I think, what month was that when you when you first came down? Mm, that was late January. Late January, yeah. So Late late January 2020. Yeah, so th- so at the time, I didn't know who Bossy was. We had a mutual friend, uh, my man Xavier, or as you guys probably know him, at the Sports Geek. Go check him out. Very good Instagram, very good trainer. Um, so he, he kind of linked us up, um, and we I think the first time we linked up was like, 6 a.m. workout on like a Friday before you had a camp all the way in, in mm-hmm. Davie. Yep. Um, so all that to say that Bossy is consistently learning. Like every time I see him, he's with someone new, just learning from them. Um, he's like a sponge, just soaking <laughs> up a ton of knowledge, and, mm-hmm. and he puts us all into it. So everything that he says is extremely valuable, and it's going to be good for you guys to hear. And um, definitely take it into account when you when you're – um, looking yourself in the mirror, like Joseph said, and, and kind of learning about yourself. And I'm sure he'll drop a ton of gems about any topic that, that has to do with basketball. This dude is very, very knowledgeable. So, <laughs> Bossy, if you just want to talk about your background, who you are, um, how you've gotten uh-huh. to where you are right now, and then we can get started with that. Thanks for introduction, Coleman. Man, that sounds pretty cool. But uh, the main thing that I want to say is uh, no matter how good you are or how good you think you are, uh, there's always room for improvement. Mm -hmm. And so uh, to me, I remember, I think it was, I was already playing professionally uh, and I was watching the attention to details. And I I like some things. And at that point, I didn't know that I think at that time you were like 17 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I was, I was still a young and, <laughs> Yeah, and then still when uh, when we uh, when Xavier came uh, to watch my workouts in Tampa when I was doing the off-season training with Aaron Jackson, uh, that was the same thing he was trying to learn. And then when he told me that uh, you guys are in touch, I'm asking him like just, just about you, like how old are you and all that, what are you doing? Yeah. And he said that you're still in college, and I'm like, calculated i'm like okay that means when i was watching these videos he was at that age. <laughs> yeah. and so to me to me age doesn't matter and there's always ways you can improve oh yeah even by watching kids train mm-hmm. it's just it's um to me it's more important that you understand that uh the road to perfection is never done Fast. it's never ending mm-hmm. so it's it's constant process mm-hmm. and so this is, I guess, this is one thing that drives me every morning, every day. Doesn't matter how how good or bad I feel. Doesn't matter how much energy I have or uh, if I struggle with something. Me knowing that I'm not yet at my best yeah. gives me just the max energy that I can have. And then on top of that, that I can, if I uh, if I have a thought in my mind where. I'm thinking, oh, wow, I can influence other people through basketball or I can help somebody. Then it's just another motivator for me. And just like like you said, when we met, 
uh, first I just wanted to, I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm ready to, to pay, you work me out and that's it. And just so, just so I can learn. And then it ended up, it was like mutual practice yeah. where you throw one, two drills, I do one, two drills. So yeah. it's the best way I, to learn. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yep. But then, uh, my quick introduction. So I'm 29. Uh, I'm originally from Russia. I graduated high school here. I graduated from university here. Then I went to play in prep school for three months and I was trying to get to college. Uh, I was in college for three years. Didn't play much. I think a total maybe of 13 games or something like that. Uh, after that, I played professionally in Belarus top league, Mexico, and then Ecuador top league. Wow. So. Uh, this whole professional career was a little bit longer than one and a half year. And by the time I was done in Ecuador, uh, I came back home and I was looking for the next deal. Uh, I knew I would probably uh, I would probably go back to South America. But at the same time, I was already uh, enjoying training the players. So yeah. by the time when I was uh, getting ready to go to college and playing professionally, kind of my side job where I could earn some money was training and it started by training just the kids just doing kind of like clinics for uh youth teams Mm -hmm. and actually my first clinic was uh i want to say exactly seven years ago after my freshman years and my freshman year in college and so it slowly uh i slowly got more recognition from the pros and so while I was playing in South America, or even before I got there, I was already working with top league um, professional players in Russia. And so uh, after I was done playing, that was my full-time job as a personal coach yeah. or a personal trainer, however you want to call it. And so for the last uh, three and a half years, I'm working individually with the players. Um, as of now, players hire me. Uh, not the teams, uh, and so I do both basketball and sports performance training. Yeah. Um, my major in college was kinesiology and exercise science, and I, I truly believe that basketball and sports performance training go hand by mm-hmm. hand. And so even if you're a basketball coach, if you can understand the movements, if you can understand how the muscles work, mm-hmm. and at what movement, what muscle activates, yep. and if you can understand these details, then it will be easier for you to. Um, to plan the whole training process. doesn't matter if you're somebody who's working with the players individually or if you're just the team, the head coach, that works with 15 guys right away. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I think I think that's kind of an underrated portion because if you think about it, like, the majority of basketball is, you can kind of attribute that to, like, the kinesiology, exercise, science, whatever... Um, you want to call it mm-hmm. it's, it's understanding how the body is moving and I think mm-hmm. skill trainers who don't understand the extent to which this is important and like don't understand how the body moves the correct ways for the body to move I think that's limiting them because mm-hmm. like I said at the end of the day basketball is all about primarily moving your body first and then getting developing that skill like the neurological st- skill to go along with it so I think that's mm-hmm. big that you can understand both of those. And also another thing is that you have a very unique style of training. Um, from what I've seen, like that first mm-hmm. time that we worked out, I was like, oh shit. Like <laughs> I was I was mad at myself. <laughs> I was throwing the ball on the ground because like everything, a lot of stuff that you do at least is very like cognitive based. So if you could just talk yeah. a little bit about your style mm-hmm. of training and how you kind of develop that. 
so to me, one thing that is important is uh, player's reaction. Yeah. So I want to make sure I know that uh, I'm not increasing intensity always, but I'm seeing by player that his facial reaction is mm. similar to what it's going to be in the game. So mm. uh, one thing that I love doing is uh, taking pictures during the practice or even when you film the video, you just make a screenshot from the video and then you try to compare it to compare the facial expression yeah. uh, in practice and in the game because you can tell that uh, whenever we do in uh, all three of us have played at least some, some type of organized basketball mm-hmm. and when we do something three-man weave or something like that uh, if you capture players faces at that time most of them are relaxed yeah. most of them know what's going to happen mm-hmm. most of them know that the pass will come from here and all i have to do is two-step and layup mm-hmm. if uh even in this simple drill if you can add some sort of reaction where players have to uh react from uh on something that's coming on a signal that is coming from outside this will make them less comfortable so mm-hmm. I want to say that if we're talking about building the drills, that's that's number one thing that I'm trying to incorporate always in the workouts. And then here there are um, there are two levels that I'm trying to um, that I'm trying to use. Number one is you using uh, using auditory signals where mm-hmm. a player has to react to your voice signals. And then the harder one is any visual signals. Okay. And then depending on how good the player is, uh, you can add just, you can make it even more difficult. For example, um, there's one app I always kind of um, kind of advertise it. And I'm sure if they did it, um, if the app was not free, I would ask for some percentage. Yeah. <laughs> because I already have like 50 people. It's called Strobe Light yeah. Training. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just have simple colors, and so uh, if you can show player the colors, red, black, or a- any other colors, and the color means a significant uh, one uh, particular read, right. that's already half of the deal. But then the next thing, when I'm working with the guys like uh, Aaron Jackson, who's EuroLeague champion, played with Houston Rockets for the last three years, was in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm working with him, for him, these visual reads may already be kind of right. uh, on a comfort zone so I'm trying to think how I can add it up mm. and so it can be me showing fingers when he's going through the screen and if I'm showing even number on two hands mm. he needs to make a bounce pass mm. if I'm showing uh, odd number he has to make right hand right foot floater mm. and so this is something where he needs his uh his brain needs to process more information he needs to check how many fingers i show on one hand on the other put them together and make a decision Mm -hmm. and the reason why i put uh visual uh, reaction over auditory because there there are plenty of studies that you can find where it shows that if i'm not mistaken uh visual signals the brain sends uh, the signal to uh to the muscles 0.3 0.3 seconds slower. So, wow. I mean, it's not a big number. No, that's, but in basketball, it's a lot. Basketball, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then how you can see it also, um, and that's how I figured it out when we worked with Aaron during uh, one of our first off seasons. So, when we did just simple, I would call right, left, mm-hmm. or any bounce, chest, uh, it would be comfortable for him. But whenever I got the colors, 
I could see him mess up. Yeah. Our intensity would go down a little bit. But if I'm filming the video and I'm focusing on his eyes, I can see that a lot of going on there, a lot of thought process. Mm -hmm. So this makes me makes me think that okay this is this is really working this is effective and then the other thing how i figure out that visuals are harder i'm just asking for a feedback from the player mm -hmm. yeah and if he's saying uh <laughs> yeah. i haven't actually i haven't met nobody yet who said uh everybody said of course <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. what are you asking <laughs> yeah and i think those um those methods are really transferable to on-court game playing just because it forces players to think a lot faster make decisions a lot quicker yeah. and not really have to like yeah. take the time to read a situation try to like process it slowly like they have to do it so instantly and um i think that's a great way to promote that ability mm -hmm. and then also in season uh the good thing uh if we talk about the players who were who play 30 plus minutes yeah. And that was that was our situation with Aaron. He was he was playing I think thirty one minute in China, mm -hmm. and he's he was thirty two thirty three uh, when we were working there. Mm -hmm. uh, so my goal is to make the workouts as efficient yes. as exactly. as they can yeah. be, but the least energy consuming, the better. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying one of our goals besides uh, working on something is not to make you sweat mm. and you know i know it sounds funny but we started the workout and i'm like okay we have 30 minutes your goal is not to be sweating yeah, yeah. Interesting. interesting and he's just he's just laughing yeah. so can you imagine you come to workout and the coach is saying okay we're gonna work hard but if you sweating we done is that is that is that mainly because of his age or is that just the approach that you take mainly with a lot of your your guys uh, number one, uh, number one, already him playing having yeah, three yeah. games per yeah. week with thirty plus yeah, minutes. Yeah, that's true. A lot. That's a lot of volume. Yeah. Uh, that's one. Number two, he has a lot of travel. So I would say, uh, Chinese schedule is similar to NBA, but they don't have enough uh, recovery. Yeah, I can uh, enough recovery mm. uh, facilities that NBA has. So. Basically, if I want to run a player hard, I want to make sure he doesn't get a lot of playing time or he doesn't he doesn't run a lot in practice. Mm -hmm. So this was this is one of the reasons why I, uh, I don't want to put uh, I don't want to make the workouts in season very intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this is just another way how you can kind of mm, lie to your body where you're still working. You're still improving, but your body's thinking, oh, he's just shooting. Yeah. He's just, he's not doing nothing serious That's, because yeah. whenever you start sweating, your body's like giving this, this gives a signal to your body. Oh man, he's working out again. Mm -hmm. No, I like that. And I think that, that kind of goes back to the saying where it's like, anybody can make you tired, but not anybody can make you better. Yeah. And I think yeah. a lot of coaches and trainers and even players, like personally myself, when I was like 15, 16, I would just go hard as shit, just like yeah, chasing yeah. that like burn and chasing that sweat. But the older and older I got, and especially playing in a high school where like the game, we had three, four games a week versus very good talent. And then seeing um, a lot of the players I trained once I started training, um, experience like the workloads of college and even high school these days, dudes are playing mm -hmm. 35, 40, 45 games. And mm -hmm. if you're consistently breaking down at your body and just every mm -hmm. day just going hard. It's so much stress on your body as a whole 
that your performance isn't just exactly. going to suffer physically, but also mentally. And I think yeah. the way you can just kind of um, stimulate people's like cognitive abilities and stimulate their brains without, like you said, mm-hmm. even sweating, that's huge. And that's something that's mm-hmm. very valuable, especially in season, but really any time. Mm-hmm. I think it just boils it down to... Yeah, and I had a workout. Go ahead, Boston. Yeah, go for it. Joseph. I was going to say, I just think it comes down to sustainability with the player. Like, whatever yeah. you want to do, you want to make sure... It's something that you can prolong and develop over a long course of time instead of them burning out over like right. a few weeks of training. You want them to finish their training mm-hmm. session, their training program, which you're yeah. feeling better and ready yeah. to go than they were when they when they first joined. Exactly. <laughs> but mm-hmm. and I had a workout uh, with with a kid. He's 16. Uh, plays for Russia youth national team for under 16 national team and so we worked out he didn't touch the ball before for like I want to say three weeks and I'm asking how how you feeling he's saying oh we had we have harder practices at the workout I'm like at the team and I'm like okay if if you want me to kill you then you just get on the line you do 10 suicides in between your your deadline will be one minute and you have 30 second break after that you'll be done and he didn't understand, but that was our first workout. And so this is another thing that uh, within the workouts, besides just making the players better, my goal is to educate them right. where uh, when they are by themselves, they already know what they can do even a little because mm-hmm. it's not going to happen that me you, me or you guys are going to be with a particular player 24-7. Yeah. It all depends on how bad you really, you really want it mm-hmm. and what you're willing to mm-hmm. do. And so with this kid, I know that, okay, this is our starting point. First workout, he thinks that the harder, the more tired you are, the better. Mm -hmm. And so now my point within the next, I want to say within the next five or ten practices to show him how he can be efficient on the court, how he can improve without really going as hard as he was going before Mm -hmm. because – when I was playing professionally, uh, and when I was in Mexico, uh, actually during the whole the, the whole playing career, I was never a shooter, and everybody would change my shot. All the coaches, mm-hmm. so I want to say they changed my shot maybe ten Shit. times. Wow. Uh, and so, not a three point shooter, one hundred percent, mid range, okay. Mm-hmm. And so in my whole career in Mexico, we had, mm, I want to say like twelve games. I shot a total of maybe 10 threes. Wow. Wow. That's it. The re- and I was averaging 20, 22 points. Sheesh. So most of that was mid-range, in the paint, different variations, and free throws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was still working on the three-pointers. But uh, whenever I met somebody, all the people would tell me is, you just have to shoot more. And so I had certain drills that I would do. And I would shoot maybe four feet away from the NBA three-point line. I would be in practice. I would be making, um, I want to say, something close to 50%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was I was confident enough in practice, but I didn't know how to translate it to games. And also, uh, the other thing, I was practicing bad mechanics, so I was mm-hmm. just trying to, uh, to build the confidence through reps. Yeah. And only by the time I stopped playing and I was thinking how I can make the players better, I figured out that... There are plenty of ways that you can become good shooter, not by doing like 200,000 200, yeah, jump right. shots mm-hmm. over a month or whatever, mm-hmm. not having these crazy numbers. Of course, you have to commit to it and you have to have a good volume, mm-hmm. 
but still focusing on details is very important the mechanics. and uh yeah and if we're talking about shooting uh the funny thing i was i was improving my shot and so within three years of me uh coaching full-time not playing already i could tell that my shooting got really better i could already i would already be very consistent from mid-range of the dribble on the catch mm -hmm. but three pointers were still kind of hard where i would use i would spend more energy for the shot and so uh my good friend rob Fodor, the shooting coach for miami heat mm -hmm. uh every time i'm in miami and this every time in miami this year yeah. so it was late january and the whole february mm -hmm. and even the beginning of, of march we were we would always meet at least once a week just to talk basketball uh just so he would explain me his ideas just so i can see how i can change the way what i mm -hmm. do and then we had before i left for russia we had one workout where i was with him on the court and he was basically training me and the funny thing was that that was the best workout that i had and within hour and a half we corrected the way i shot the way i could apply the energy uh into the shot and now i'm back home two months later i'm already feeling that mid-range i'm a straight killer yeah. <laughs> three-pointers at least i'm yeah right. three-pointers at least i'm feeling how i can transfer the energy mm -hmm. and the funniest thing here is before i don't want to say that uh i hated shooting but i was shoot i was shooting because i knew i needed it yeah. but i don't uh i didn't feel that i really enjoyed it mm-hmm and i felt that it was because it was very energy consuming and i couldn't find the way like what i had to correct and i really enjoyed finishing everything in the paint different different weird types of layups well, i definitely remember those uh, i would get <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i would get comfortable with these ones but shooting no and so only now when i'm already not playing not trying to play somewhere professionally again I'm feeling okay. At least this is something that I should uh, teach the other kids, just so they can use it in their game, and just so they don't have the same mistakes that I had when I was playing. Yeah, and I think I think um, I would rather leave a workout knowing that I've made like a big change to my game. Like you said, mm -hmm. you left that that workout with Rob, where two months mm -hmm. later and you're still feeling those effects. I would rather leave a workout feeling that. Than just feeling tired as hell, yeah. <clears throat> because yeah. that's like a short term, yeah, like exactly. You get that short term release of dopamine, and like every, after every hard workout, you're like, damn, I feel good. Like I just got some work done. But in the long run, it's unless you're like really, really, really a guy who really needs to focus on conditioning. If you leave that workout, you've likely done everything while you were tired. You're not getting these really like solid crisp reps in. You haven't learned mm -hmm. anything new, and you're just leaving that workout being more tired and yeah. more and, and kind of mm -hmm. you and it's gonna just take more recovery like it's mm. it's kind of this cycle where if you continue to chase that that mm. pain during a workout rather than actually something that's gonna make you better I think that can be very very mm -hmm. harmful in, yeah. the, in the long run especially and also yeah. another point I want to make <laughs> yep. going back to um what you said about just educating, like <clears throat> the workout that you had with the um, a kid recently where you were trying to educate him, like, all right, look, a workout being harder mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily equal getting better. And I think 
as coaches, if we send one of our players off for like the season or whatever, and they can, and they go on the road, or they go to mm-hmm. after one of their practices, they're working out and they don't know what to do. I think mm-hmm. we're failing as coaches because mm-hmm. we should. It, it's it's kind of like that old saying. It's like um, catch a fish for a man and he eats for one day. Uh, teach a man to fish and he eats for his whole life. And if we're mm-hmm. teaching, mm-hmm. if we're teaching players what mm-hmm. to do yep. and educating them, they should go to the gym by themselves and know what to do and not just do suicides and and push the shit yeah. out of their bodies until they get tired. Like they should know how to work at least somewhat like sufficiently without us there so i think that's a big point right there just educating our players Mm -hmm. and i think on on top Mm -hmm. of that um our job as trainers is mainly to address weaknesses and develop them it's not to to get a player conditioned to the point where they can run as many suicides as they can unless that's a weakness that they specifically want to focus on right but when we're coming into developing any specific skill doing it like you said doing it while you're completely fatigued out doesn't really give or render any true like benefits or gains that they can apply right. later on their in their career so um yeah. bossy if mm-hmm. you could uh for if sure you could if you could go in depth about how a player can figure out ways to recognize their own weaknesses and figure out ways yeah. that they can develop their own game i feel like our listeners would truly find uh-huh. that invaluable and would love to hear that mm-hmm. so one thing that will help uh before i even get into a point is uh, during the workouts, if the players can can have a notebook with them just so they can make notes mm-hmm. either during water breaks or at the, at the end of practice. Yeah. Uh, because this will, one, will teach them how uh, they can see the details. Right. Mm-hmm. And two, uh, this will make them remember the details better. Of course, now uh, for most of the people, it's easier uh, to write the notes on the phone. But... Yeah. There are also plenty of studies that show that whenever you write something with with a paper and pen, uh, your brain mm, remembers more information than yeah. rather you just typing it on the phone. Yeah. And how you can how you can check it is imagine uh, imagine I'm giving you just a simple number, simple phone number, and you just type uh, you just typing it down in the phone. Mm. Then you lock the phone and I'm asking, okay, what's the number? I'm asking you in two minutes. Uh, what do you think how many numbers you will remember? <laughs> and then the other option is if you're, yeah, if you're writing it down and you're doing the same thing, probably I'm not saying that you'll remember it perfectly, but at least you should have a, a better idea. Yeah. yeah. So 100%. this is just a perfect example of how writing down <coughs> the notes uh, would be useful. But also, if I'm if I'm working with a player, and this will probably be good advice for coaches rather than players, um, I'll definitely ask for the notes from the kids, from anybody who's playing college or below, or somebody who's playing his first year professionally. But talking about the older players, it depends on one how motivated they they are, and two how much respect they have. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's if we're talking about a veteran who's 30 something or even 29 30 uh unless he really wants to get to the next next level like to make a huge step up that's that's the only way when i'll ask him to take the notes Mm -hmm. rather than that if i see that 
uh, he wants to improve, but not at the point where he's ready to come with a notebook and write down something, then I'm not going to demand it. Mm. So it's for coaches, that's important that um, whenever they're working with the younger players, they can demand a little bit more yeah. uh, just based on how much authority they have. But whenever you work with older pro player who already has experience, you should be, I want to say, mindful and reasonable. Uh, if the player will do it, uh, if it will affect uh, your relationships with him, and eventually if this will be very helpful to him or if you will write down some notes and send them to him, mm-hmm. if that will be almost the same as far as on efficiency level, then why not just yeah. do the notes by yourself, right. knowing that he'll appreciate yeah. it. And if we talk about uh, how players can figure out what their weaknesses, well, number one, I would look at their field and I would look at the misses, all the misses, all the turnovers, all the plays where they think they could have done better. Uh, That's the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I would cut that down. And then number two, uh, for me, it's important that players can visualize what's going to happen. And so any play, whatever, whatever play you watch, and if let's say you made a turnover, and you going over this play, what I would recommend doing is stop, think, okay, what's the ideal scenario yeah. uh, that I could do here? Mm-hmm. And then what, whatever you're thinking about, write that down. Mm-hmm. And so you're thinking, okay, what will be number two? And then just if you go through 10 plays like that, and let's say in each one you write at least two options that's already 20 options total Mm -hmm. and this will give you a variety of what you can do and then the more mm, the more similar options you see obviously will be the ones that i would focus the Mm -hmm. most Mm -hmm. Uh, and the reason why i say you should rank them like number one number two uh, at each play is because whatever is number one this is something that kind of comes naturally where you're just using your instincts. Yeah. Whenever it's number two, <clears throat> this is something where you're like, okay, <clears throat> if not this, what am I doing? And then you start to think. <clears throat> so first, and since basketball is played uh, more on instincts, this is why it's important for me to watch number <clears throat> one and number <clears throat> two. And if the players want to get even more creative with it, they can rank, let's say, option number one is three points, option number yeah. two is two, option number three is one point. <clears throat> and then whatever option after you watch the whole game or a series of games, whatever option has the most points will be the one that you would work Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. And then obviously if you get, let's say you get four weaknesses or four things that you want to improve. Now you're thinking, okay, if I have, if I can improve only one, what would it be? Mm -hmm. And then maybe on based on instincts, something, let's say, left-hand floater based on instincts will be number one thing based on points Mm -hmm. but then number two uh right-hand pocket pass you feel that you would really want that more rather than the floater then obviously right-hand pocket pass will be will be your priority while left-hand floater will be the other thing that you want to improve Mm -hmm. so to me this is uh to me this is really time consuming Mm -hmm. but if you really want yeah, if you really want to play at the next level, going from high school to college to Division One, or from college and try to make it to NBA, then, I mean, then it's all up to you. Mm-hmm. Because to me, it really depends on 
your effort and what you what you're what you're ready to do. Mm-hmm. And we had we had a good conversation with Aaron uh, our last off season, and I was just curious. Uh, I was going to work out with one of the players from uh, USF, mm-hmm. but we ended up uh, not working out. And I was just wondering. I'm like Aaron, what do you think? If I'm a freshman coming to Division One, to any Division One, and I get a scholarship, do you think in four years I'll have a chance to play in the NBA? Just a <clears> chance, <throat> just just like a chance to get Exhibit Ten or a chance to get two-way contract or some or at least something a ten-day contract. Yeah. And he's saying, first he's quickly responding, yeah, of course, and then he's like, but. You have to sacrifice, and it starts going like this yeah, and this and this, yeah. just like party, do this, do that, do this. And so, to me, this is what, to me, this is what really important. Just so players understand that mm-hmm. within four years in college, uh, let's say Division One, if you get a scholarship, it's possible for any player to get to NBA. Yeah. Depend, but it depends on how much work you're willing to yeah. put. The same thing comes down, even if we talk about Division Two. Of course, it's harder, but depending on how much you're willing, how much work you're willing to put, you will still get a chance. Maybe mm-hmm. four years at the college and one year professionally overseas or yeah. trying in the G mm-hmm. League. Because let's say, mm, let's say I'm working with ten players, and all of them. Uh, oh, for example, that camp that we did for South American yeah. kids, uh, most of them, all all of them wanted to play college in states or professionally, and so we had we had a small group of eight players, and I'm asking, okay, uh, we're working on the on the hang hezy, and I'm like, okay, this is the video, but if you guys want it, you can message me after the workout. Uh, not right after, but at least one hour or any time at night, and I'll send you the right. video. Next day I'm coming, only one guy messaged me <laughs> about the yeah. workout, uh, and I'm just about the video, and I'm like, I'm telling them, okay, so you're trying to go to come and play in college in states, mm-hmm. but only one out of yeah. eight was willing to ask for a video. Mm-hmm. Then the next day, another I think five messaged me, or even all seven. And so then the next task we had, it was the same thing, like only four responded. And so this is the same way, like if we're talking about, let's say, making it to the NBA from Division II, um, let's say first 100 people wants to make it to the NBA badly. Mm-hmm. First month, all 100 works out three times a day, whatever, has the plan and everything. Month number two already 95 month number three already 90 year five probably three or four mm-hmm. and that's out of those three or four somebody gets lucky mm-hmm. and he gets his chance there there's no microwave success yeah, mm-hmm. and there's there's no pill that will make you an nba player right away mm-hmm. or even a euroleague player yeah i think that um that first bit that you were talking about the about how to like watch the film and like analyze what you need to work on i think that's like the Mm-hmm. biggest part that a lot of people skip over where they have to like diagnose themselves yeah. where they're just um they just get in the gym they just do what other people do and they just see that it works for them so they do it on themselves but they don't realize that they're very different players than those people and on the second point where you're talking about mm-hmm. the, um basically like the odds of making it to the highest level of playing basketball i think um people don't really re- like they get intimidated by those odds and they don't realize that 
the the reason those odds are so low is because of how human nature of just be moving shying away from mm-hmm. that hard work is what really creates yeah. those odds to be that low like people if they just all like i mean there are definitely a lot of people that have committed to the hard work and been working as much as, much as they can as, uh, as hard as they can but they just were never given the opportunity but a vast majority of people really get just turned away from those discouraging odds and don't don't realize that them turning mm-hmm. away from it is what really makes the odds yeah. as low as they are it's natural selection yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. and also i think and one thing when i'm working with the with the younger yeah sorry Cole. no no no. I'll just re- uh one thing yeah, that, I, that i try to focus when going when working with a younger player i'm asking them imagine you're not as fast as you are. You're not as athletic as you are. Yeah. Imagine you're 35. <laughs> yeah. What do you What do you have to? Yeah. At 35, you're trying to spend as little energy as possible, and still be efficient on the Unless court. So I'm saying, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm saying, imagine if you're 17, mm-hmm. and you can also play based by reads. You can read the game rather than use your athleticism. Mm-hmm. Then by the time you get to twenty one, you can already use yeah, both. Yeah, yeah. You can still be doing the windmills, all the posters, mm-hmm. all all the poster dunks over the people, but you're still able to read the game, mm-hmm. and this will make it easier for you when you lose your athleticism, mm-hmm. or when you get to the next level, and there are people who are at least as fast as you, or even more athletic as mm-hmm. you are. Right. No, I like that, and I think everything that you've said so far about just how to evaluate yourself and i think this is very important for for players that are listening to this is very objective like you're not just kind of looking at yourself and be like hmm what do i want to work on this summer because mm-hmm. like it would be cool to be able to like um add some like acrobatic layups into my game it's like no you literally watching your own footage or like mm-hmm. extremely objectively writing stuff down in this very systematic process that you went through and i would suggest yeah. every player um who like again like we were talking about is serious about it if you're not that serious about it you go do whatever you want because at the end of the day you're not really dedicated it to it in the first place but if you're dedicated to becoming better i would suggest that everyone find a systematic process it could be the one that that boss you just mentioned it could be a variation of that you can find your own mm-hmm. but find a way that you can objectively analyze and evaluate your own game and then find ways to mm-hmm. to kind of derive stuff from that um that you need to work on just like you were saying with that point system that's mm-hmm. one of the probably mm-hmm. best ways i've never even thought about that and that's probably one of the yeah. best ways i've ever heard to go about it so find an objective systematic mm-hmm. way and and attack your own game and look at mm-hmm. it from a very critical level. Mm-hmm. And it, that's that's kind of similar. Mm-hmm. And then, go ahead, go ahead, actually. What are you going to say? Then, then another thing about the points, how you can later transfer it to the game. Uh, I use it with, uh, with the pro guys, especially in the season when they have games. And I had an example of, the, of one of the pro guys. He plays in Russia Top League. He is a four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, based on what I'm going to explain, he increased his uh, points per game from 3.5 during October through March to 11 points something in April. Well done. And just, just by doing this. Well done. And so that's almost four times. Yeah. And the thing was, uh, he was not aggressive on when he would catch the ball and whenever he needed to swing, he would just swing. 
And I was asking him, okay, can you just add the jabs anytime, anytime you do something? So jabs was something that we worked mm -hmm. on. Uh, we worked on it in practice, and I was not with him. He was he was in one part. He was I want to say five thousand miles away Dang. from me, or at some point whenever I was traveling, he was even maybe seven thousand miles away from me. So he was he was uh, he was pretty far <laughs> from me. <laughs> And so it was just all based based on the phone mm -hmm. and just him sending me the videos. Yeah. And so he was working on the jabs first. Then when he would play on team uh, on team practice, any any games, five on zero, one on one, whatever, anytime he does a jab on a catch, that's a point. Mm -hmm. yeah. So this gives him kind of like extra mission within the workout right. where he's adding this uh one detail that he never used before mm -hmm. and so after that he would tell me how many points he got uh after that i would ask him to do these points only when they play five and five in practice mm -hmm. and then whenever game came i was like okay now that's the time for you just just focus on the yeah. points forget how many uh how many points you need to score how many rebounds you need to grab just go hard play hard and then anytime you catch the ball on offense you need to score a plus mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. and so first game i think he gets uh i think it was something like eight plus seven and then his second game it was 14 plus seven something like that and it just started to go yes. up but the main thing that i wanted from him uh his feedback was Oh man, I I back I'm back to that uh, to that feeling mm. when I really enjoy the game and I love it and he's like I'm saying I'm feeling that it's uh, now um, I have that feeling back when I was a kid mm. when I why I started to play basketball mm. because I really enjoyed it not just because of if I'm getting paid or whatever yeah. and I'm asking what happened before and he said <clears throat> it just it shifted my focus from mm, being anxious about the result. Uh, being anxious about if I'm doing the right thing on offense and everything, it just shifted to one small detail, a mm -hmm. jab. And so this is just the same thing on how players can evaluate themselves, mm -hmm. find what they want to work mm -hmm. on, and this would be the next step, how they can transfer it to the game right mm -hmm. away. And that kind of um, reminds me of our, our philosophy with our players with them, whenever we work with new clients is um, we kind of have them, we give them like a couple of days advance where we say, come up with three or four focuses that you want to focus on that you really believe are your weaknesses that you think can help you the most when you um, begin training if you mm -hmm. were to add those focuses and then we ourselves come up with those three focuses for those players from our end and then we kind of combine them and see where the overlap is and see where we agree and then we discuss mm -hmm. and everything but that the reason we're able to do that is through studying their game tape so what do you um, recommend for players that don't really get on the court that much and don't really have access to game tape that they can use to analyze or evaluate themselves how do you feel like or what's your advice to them on how they can figure out ways to improve their their game to be as valuable as they can be on the court hmm, well number one thing uh since the quarantine and this is uh to me quarantine this i don't want to say the best thing happened to mm -hmm. us but this is a really good challenge for us where people can get out of their comfort zone. And before, I want to say, uh, even a month ago, when I just started going live with all the different coaches and doing live workouts with the players on Instagram, mm -hmm. uh, I was not comfortable about doing it. And I was like, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so now I'm a, I don't want to say I'm like a pro. Yeah. 
but I already feel comfortable yeah. and I know that what I do it gives um it gives other people a chance to learn and so for younger players I would suggest find finding a coach or somebody who does podcasts like you guys or somebody who works in the NBA who does some webinars and just try to educate themselves on the topics that they're that they're interested yeah. in. so if they're uh if they're not good shooters and they want to improve their shooting uh make sure they see and learn what Rob does with Miami mm-hmm. Heat make sure he they check all the podcasts that are with him mm-hmm. or Adam Filippi the shooting uh he was the shooting coach for Lakers he was a scout i think now he's a uh director of international scouting for Sacramento Kings mm-hmm. and so just finding the ways how uh how they can improve mm-hmm. uh, how they can improve their knowledge just so by the time they get on the court they already have a better idea of mm-hmm. what they can improve if there's no coach who can help mm-hmm. them that's number one thing mm-hmm. uh number two thing is uh i want to say find somebody find a player that you would look up to mm-hmm. exactly that yeah. plays similarly the way you want to play mm-hmm. or that has similar athletic abilities and just study his game imagine that you need to study his game like you would study your own yeah yeah but like just from the point of strengths mm. and you're like okay let's say uh i like steve nash and i liked the all his paint finishes yeah. how he was able to do that one foot jumpers and all that so when i was a player i would study that a lot i would just have all the videos i would try to repeat it i would think okay why why this doesn't work what do i need to improve and so this is something that i would do that's number mm-hmm. two. number three, uh even if the person doesn't have a ball to me basketball uh is about the footwork mm-hmm. so how much space you can create with your mm-hmm. feet and so you can just uh practice simple footwork let's say you're catching the ball uh you making a jab where are you making the jab mm-hmm. is it towards the defender is it to mm-hmm. the side because the main uh the most common thing that i'm trying to change with the when i'm working with the players is where they yeah. jab as soon as they catch yeah. the ball most of them jab away from the yeah. basket away from the defender and closer to the yeah. sideline and i'm not saying that you have to jab at the <clears throat> defender always but at least you have to have the purpose mm-hmm. with each jab so if you're jabbing to yeah. the side mm-hmm. yeah you got to figure out okay i'm jabbing it to the side to make sure i shift the d and then i can mm-hmm. attack right in the middle but then that's that's the thing mm-hmm. the footwork will be number mm-hmm. three and number four is if we talk let's say we talk about shooting you can still uh i want to say imitate the same motion that you would do without mm-hmm. a ball uh i mean with the ball but just without mm-hmm. the ball yeah. uh and just look in the mirror and see how those details look mm-hmm. and number five is visualizing but uh visualizing when you're let's say you're lying on the bed you close your eyes and the funny thing uh when i was playing in mexico uh, to me i didn't uh i didn't believe really in mental training and all that i think the harder you work the better mm-hmm. you get and all that and so only when i started playing professionally i figured out that uh what i missed in college and even in my first year in belarus because belarus i was averaging 0.9 per mm-hmm. game point <laughs> 0.9 point per game and mexico was something like 22 mm-hmm. points 
And so I figured out what I um what I was lacking when I played in college and when I played in Belarus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was the, always the strongest guy on the court, the most athletic one, meaning like change direction and speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was one of the skilled ones, not the top one, but one of the skilled ones. But my mental preparation was not strong yeah. enough. And so anytime I would get on the court, I would be, I want to say like, 25% of what I really mm, could be. Mm-hmm. And so only in Mexico I figured out that mental performance would mean much more than everything that you can do physically. Mm-hmm. And so I started to read some old books like from mid 90s about from sports psychologists from Soviet mm-hmm. Union that were training mm-hmm. uh track athletes and how what exercise that would do. Mm-hmm. And one of the exercises that I I still remember it now just like <laughs> like it happened mm-hmm. yesterday. Uh you have to lie on your you lie in your bed with the book you're reading. Uh you close your eyes, you put the book on out on the side. Uh you step on the floor. Um put your flip-flops on. You walk to the mirror. You you look in the mirror. Then you go back. Then you take the flip-flops off. You lie on the bed. You get the book. You open the eyes, so you do it first uh, with with your eyes closed, without getting off the off the mm-hmm. bed, and then you repeat it the same, just the same motion. So it kind of feels like a deja vu uh, that you already I did see. it before. So you kind of do it in your mind first, and, and then you so, do it actually. That's yeah. interesting. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's interesting. Yeah, and imagine just uh, doing it in your mind, but imagine all the surroundings yeah. what's on the left yeah. what's on the right what's what's on the bottom of your feet mm. just all the details all the more details you can imagine mm. uh the more advanced you will yeah. become and so my first time i did it i'm like what is yeah. that yeah. like what am i yeah. and if it, it, it felt weird mm. all that but then i think maybe five games after i'm like okay Okay, now I feel yeah. it. And then I still remember mm. it. I, maybe like third game, I had another exercise that I was trying mm. uh trying to do to kind of like to calm myself down. And you needed to close your eyes, something like take a couple of breaths, mm. do something and think about something and mm. all that. And so I didn't want to do it on the mm. court. I would run on the bathroom <laughs> all the time. I was just like shooting, shooting, shooting. Uh-huh. They had like 10 minutes left. I'm like, yeah. sprint into the bathroom. Uh-huh. And that's funny, but I mean, that, that yeah, helped. Yeah. And only at that oh, point, yeah. I was like, okay, that makes uh-huh. sense. This is why now, uh, if I see that the athlete has uh, all the focus in the world, on all the he's committed, 100% committed to... Uh, to play the next level, it doesn't matter if that's EuroLeague, top league in Russia, college in mm-hmm. states, or NBA. Yeah. I'm like, okay, it's not only basketball and strength training for us; it's mm-hmm. also some sort of mental yeah. training. Yeah, I like that for sure. And for all our listeners out there, I know that a lot of this sounds a little bit familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> very familiar. It's something that we talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. But um, so we when when you were talking about how players can like the players that don't have any footage of themselves or how they can go about like choosing what, what um kind of like what skill set they want to have is I think it's like the best way to think about it mm-hmm. is if you don't really have that kind of role I uh, figured out yet on your team or if you're still trying to make a team or whatever try not instead of looking at yourself as somebody that's not really that good try to look at yourself as a blank slate 
where you can kind of just add on whatever you want. Like you have no roles fulfilled yet. Or you don't have any type of uh, duty yet. So study as many players as you can and figure out what you like and figure out what like yeah. which of these players' body types fit your body type and what you will, uh, what you can compare yourself to and then really add on to your game from what you see instead of trying to just like figure out, um, oh, I want to be a better shooter, let me shoot. I want to be a better baller, let me shoot. I want to jump higher, let me Definitely. work on jumping. Instead of just doing all that, try to have like a plan approach where you study a player that fits your size and fits your game and and then try to replicate as much as possible and like imitate and innovate. So copy what they do yeah. and then take it to another level and add on to when you become, when you get to that level where you can kind of have that self analyzation and where you can kind of self evaluate yourself, try to add, try to add new things that you feel like would work with your game that you may have, may not have seen before in the past. I think that's mm-hmm. when um, a lot of players that don't really have that um, experience behind them or under their belt, that's where they get really discouraged and kind of like just don't really know what to do. So they just give up all altogether. And that's just something that it's instead of looking at it as like a like a downside, it could be looked at as a benefit or something to take to your advantage. Mm-hmm. And talking about yeah. the player, uh, the, looking at different players, uh, one thing mm-hmm. that I would add here is uh, if players can focus on maybe two or three players or two or three details, something the yeah. less the less uh focus they can have i mean less things to focus on uh mm-hmm. i feel that it will be more efficient because mm-hmm. uh Definitely. now with all the all the webinars and with all the options that we have through youtube it just gives us so mm-hmm. so so many options that not that many people know how to use them efficiently so this is why to yeah. me it's important that if a player can mm-hmm. find only one option and just focus on it until mm-hmm. until he masters it, that that would be perfect. Mm-hmm. That's the time when you're ready to yeah. go for the next one. Because if we're talking about yeah. uh, Kobe, and I haven't met him personally, but everybody whom I worked with, uh, Adam Filippi, Irv Roland, Gannon Baker, uh, Phil dope. Handy, every, everybody mm-hmm. would say one thing that he was so focused that he would focus on like some one certain detail. And so when, mm-hmm. when uh, me and Phil, when we were on Zoom call uh, for Russian mm-hmm. coaches, and there was a question about just like about the focus, how many things you focus during the off season, he was telling a story mm-hmm. of Kobe where he just he was at at some point he was just focusing on one detail that he wanted to improve for mm-hmm. for the whole month. Yeah. And so, oh wow, that's insane. And so this is the thing <laughs> the to month. me: if you yeah. if you see that the player of his level the legend like that if uh that's what he did why shouldn't you try it too yeah and i've heard stories about how kobe um he missed a specific game winning shot against the heat at Mm -hmm. one point it was like one of his like uh you know his little fadeaway his fadeaways towards the baseline he missed that shot and it was a game winner to to win that game and then he missed it at the buzzer so when uh when the whole court emptied out when all the fans left and all the other coaches and players left he shot that same shot over and over for three and a half hours three yeah. and a half four hours that same exact shot not even Damn. doing the other side it was just that same shot over and over for until he couldn't miss mm-hmm. so that's kind of like a that's a he didn't go out there and just working on every single detail he wanted to work on what specifically mattered to him at that moment and that's what that that cost him that game so he knew that that, mm-hmm. was that he had to develop so he just focused on that one specific skill and then he mastered it. So I think that, that there's a lot to learn from that that approach that he took in that same way that you can apply 
one focus or focus on one specific thing and then master it then add in add in any other skill set one at a time is much better than just focusing on like we talked about in our last episode focusing on like 20 different skills mm-hmm. and then, um, all in one workout yep, yep. facts <laughs> facts I just looked up and it's what like almost an hour hour long that we've been talking <laughs> I that's crazy realize. yep that's every time time realize. flies so yeah <laughs> hell yeah um boss did you have anything else that you want to say before we before we let our listeners go and we let you go <laughs> man i always want to say something <laughs> yeah, <laughs> i was gonna say you probably have a lot to say always want to say something useful um yeah that yeah one thing that people can do at home and i was just thinking how um how players can benefit or even coaches can benefit from this episode uh in mm-hmm. about working out at home uh, one thing what they can do is they can focus on uh, their core work because core work doesn't yeah. require any of equipment. Mm-hmm. And um, in, in the recent presentation on uh, Virtual Coaches Clinic, I did one on finishing. And, oh, no, actually on the one that I did for X, uh, yeah, I was yeah. talking about finishing and how uh, you can apply the core work from the weight room. Right to the basketball court. And so how I look at it is there are three dimensions where the body can move frontal, uh, sagittal and transverse plane. And mm-hmm. so basically if you can train uh, all the, all these three planes, and if you can understand why you're doing it and what you should do, then whenever you get on the court and whenever it's time to play again, even during the pickups, you will feel more confidence when you're or when you're in the pain finishing over people and right. this will be uh when we're talking about uh finishing to me it's important that you understand where where you're releasing the ball is it overhead is it on the side uh how how you jump in off what foot and so all this also can be looked up at uh during the core training so uh, mm-hmm. number yeah. one thing for me if we talk about the core training is three planes of motion make sure you focus on all three uh, number mm-hmm. two uh, the best the main position that I would focus on at first is overhead position definitely um, that's number mm-hmm. two number three uh, different positions of the body where you can be lying on the floor where your body is horizontal or where you stay in vertical um yeah. Number four, playing with position and figuring out which one is the easiest one and which one is the hardest one. Obviously, vertically, uh, two feet parallel stances will be the easiest one. Stagger stance will be harder. Split stance will be even more harder. And then single X variations will be probably the next level. And then eyes closed, it will take all these four to to another level. So (laughs) this... (laughs) <laughs> so this is one thing that uh i would really focus a lot during the during the quarantine time when quarantine. people can't go to the can't go to the gym because it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what your strengths and weaknesses are on a basketball court there's always ways to improve even work, working on the core muscles um mm-hmm. and the last thing i guess i just want to say is uh xavier still has his all his conference available uh, yeah. It's free. Also, I mm-hmm. think he has all the presentations. 
If no, mm-hmm. and if somebody checks mine, uh, I was the first one at the at the summit. And if there's mm-hmm. no presentation, then people can message me, and I'll just I'll send them the presentation through email. And mm-hmm. I bet you guys yeah, will up add there. there. I checked it out. Oh, okay. But yeah, mm-hmm. any even after this episode, if there are any questions that people have for me, they're more than welcome mm-hmm. to message me on Instagram or. Probably Definitely. email, probably Instagram will be better, but I'm sure you guys <laughs> will add the handles there just so people can reach out. Yeah. I'm, I'm always yeah, yeah, open yeah, to that. Yeah. Definitely. Well, so just like Bossy said, we'll add the handles, um, every, all three of our handles down in the description. If you have any questions about anything that he said or anything that he didn't say and you think that he would have some good information on because there's definitely a lot of that. Um, Go ahead yeah, especially like about the, the questions about what I didn't say because yeah, exactly. this is now the thing for me to also if somebody asks me the question I don't know the response I'm like okay now I gotta study it or yeah. if somebody's <laughs> yeah, yeah, questioning exactly. what I said saying okay why you think this is this and I'll be like mm-hmm. okay now right. it's my point to give mm-hmm. to give a qualified response because if my mm-hmm. response is only based on my opinion then yeah, person yeah. can say, well, in my opinion, is different. Right. Yeah. And I won't be yeah. able to argue with him, so I have to have yeah. some, some sort of study Science. or at, mm-hmm. least, at least something where people will be like, okay, this is credible. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Sure. And then that's our goal is just to continue to learn through you guys. Sometimes, like mm-hmm. I always say, like you guys can teach us just as mm-hmm. much as we can teach you guys just yeah, because exactly. there's more of you guys and you have different perspectives as us and anytime you hit us up we're learning as well and we're learning to yep. continue to serve you guys so that's that's yep. our goal all three same of way us here know. exactly definitely so hit us up um bossy i'm glad that you you joined and dropped some gems like i said i looked up and it was an hour long and that's how it normally <laughs> is when we're just yeah. talking and, and kind of flowing along in like the conversation so I'm happy that we can release this for you guys. Um, hopefully you guys got some very relevant information um, from it, how to evaluate yourself, how to train your mind, all this different stuff that we talked about. So thank you guys for tuning in as always and go check yes, out. Yes, sir. Looking uh, forward to it. Else. Definitely. And also looking forward to our time in Miami whenever yeah, you guys, yeah. whenever I'm there and you yeah. guys doing something, yes, sir. I'm yes, ready sir. supporting it. Yeah, I'm ready. Got you, <laughs> once I'm all ready. this, once all this stuff ends, I'm, I'm ready. But yeah, yes, thank sir. you guys Sounds again. Uh, everyone, stay safe and just continue to continue to learn during this time.